Hi there. Do you want to write fiction that readers gush about, but you can't figure out how to fill in the beginning, middle, or end of your story? I can help with that. Do you struggle to flesh out character or plot or to stick with your story long enough to finish it? I can help with that. Once your book is written, are you totally clueless about marketing? Do you find yourself Googling how to market a book or how to make money on fiction? I can help with that. Welcome to the Prolific Author Podcast. You know you're meant to write fiction, but you can't seem to nail down the skills or processes that make it simple and repeatable, not to mention fun. So you wait around for the muse to show up, try to force your story into a template or outline, or take months, if not years, to discover your story. Plot twist, there's a better way. Hi, I'm Liesl, USA Today bestselling author, story psychologist, writing craft geek, Christian, and story clarity coach. After 10 years of trying to master fiction using the old industry standard writing advice, I still felt lost. I finally learned what fictional storytelling and the human template are really about. Humanity, emotional connection, and serving our readers by giving them relief through vicarious experience. Imagine learning how to flesh out your characters, plot, world, and theme with such definition and clarity that every story you ever write lands with readers and makes people go, wow, now there's an author. Imagine knowing how to drill down to the heart of your story to learn what it's really about and tell the unique story that only you can tell so that you can get more readers, more downloads, more royalties, and of course, more fiction writing success. This is the podcast for you. We are prolific authors. All right, welcome back to the Prolific Author Podcast. We are here today with Don Greenfield Ireland, who is a very prolific author. How are you doing today, Don? I'm excellent, thank you. I hope everything is well on your end. It is, it is, thank you. I'm glad to have you here. So why don't we just start by having you introduce yourself and who you are and what you write? All righty, well, get ready. So <laughs> I'm a... Uh, I'm a very prolific writer and uh, I write screenplays. I write uh, fiction books, nonfiction. I create online classes. Uh, I do just about everything. And right now I'm uh, in the pro process of starting article writing and mm -hmm. blog posting and, and things like that. So I'm spreading my wings. Yeah. Yeah. So you have quite a few different books out over several genres, right? Yes. Uh, and from what I understand, that's pretty unusual because usually a writer sticks with one particular genre, you know, and, you know, in that genre, they'll spread out. But uh, for me, it's like, nope, I write uh, young adult sci-fi fantasy. Uh, I write dystopian. I write uh, cozy mysteries. I have actually two different cozy mystery uh, series going right now. And then, don't judge me for this, but I also write uh, billionaire shapeshifter adult books. <laughs> That's a very specific niche, I got to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're out there. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I also have the uh, the nonfiction, which uh, that basically consists of uh, two dog books, uh, a couple of different uh personal finance books to do with uh, budgeting and things like that. And then uh, some writer specific books, uh, how to format word docs like a pro, which is pretty popular. And then writer's preparation handbook, which, you know, if you're interested in writing and you don't know what to do, that's a, a good jumping off place for people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that it's becoming more and more common for people to write across genres. I always have. 
And I think, you know, most people, I don't know, I don't know what the percentage is because I don't know if there are any like actual polls on it. Maybe the majority of writers stick to one or one to two genres, but I think because it's possible now to, it's so easy to publish these days that more and more people are branching out and kind of trying their hand at different things. Have you noticed that, do you think? Uh, I know uh, several very prolific writers and they basically stick within a genre and then in that genre, they they will divert to, you know, uh, something a little bit different, but they're, mm-hmm. they're very comfortable in their specific genres. And right. um, so who knows? Yeah, who knows? So what are some of your secrets then for being as prolific as you are? Well, Turning off the television is one, you know, I mean, I, my television starves. That's what I tell everybody in my newsletters, you know, watching my television is starving to death. I mean, basically I would rather read, write and explore. Uh, While I grew up with television, you know, uh, we had three channels back in the fifties, you know, and then when my children were young, we, you know, we watched quite a few shows and stuff like that, but I got to a certain age and I, I think this was like maybe 15 years ago that, I don't know, the light bulb went off in my head and, and I decided that, you know, I'm just sitting here on the sofa watching this, you know, and I could be doing other things. There's a lot of time spent here on the sofa, so I might as well spend it at my desk doing something. hmm so, yeah, yeah, for sure. Budget yeah. time. So what advice would you give to, you know, up and coming writers, you know, when it comes to, you know, what, what would you tell them to do in order to help sort of move their, their writing craft and their writing career along? I think one of the most uh, beneficial things for a new writer is to find a critique group. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very invaluable. I mean, I uh, when I started uh, writing back in the late 70s, uh, I didn't know what I was doing. And then in the early 80s, I discovered a really huge uh, critique group in Houston where I lived. And uh, that basically helped me uh, understand all aspects of fiction writing, you know, and the do's and don'ts and and all that. I mean, it took me, you know, a, a clear decade or more to understand what I was doing. So I, I think that a critique group is invaluable for, you know, new writers. And if you can't find one, go to uh, Meetup online or create one in your own neighborhood. You know, go to Facebook neighborhood or or whatever. Try to find other writers that would be interested. And uh, you know, it's always beneficial if you have. Uh, a really great editor that joins your group. <laughs> uh, I had a uh, I had a very large critique group in uh, Houston, and I had two editors in that group. And I mean to tell you, they just whacked the hell out of us. <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah, those are the best ones. That's the most. Helpful. Oh yeah, yeah. You can really learn an awful lot, and it's always beneficial to get other people's opinions on your work, you know, and I always tell people, you know, like calm your heels, because if two people suggest the same or similar things, then there's a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, these are your, 
initial readers, you know, so don't ignore it. Don't get your ego in the way, put the ego up on a shelf somewhere, lock it in a cabinet or, or whatever, because right. writing is serious business. And the only way to learn is by, you know, listening to your peers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It took me a long time to figure that out too, or to figure out at least how to articulate it. I think very often, especially for new writers, the suggestions they get are to change something and they push back about against that because oh, yeah. it's their book and they don't want to change it. But what they don't understand is that whatever the problem is, they're not communicating it in the way that they're meaning to on the page. So it's not even that they have to change what they're doing, but they need to figure out how to communicate it more clearly so that the reader understands it. You know, that's so I think right. that's a really yeah. good differentiation to make when you're in a critique group. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really it's very serious about the ego, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. shut up, listen, <laughs> and, you know, absorb things. When you leave the place, you go home or whatever, then you can sit down and, you know, you can dissect what you heard or what, what someone wrote, you know? Right. Right. And it's just really about like investing time in yourself and in your writing abilities, you yeah. know? You got to do that if you want to get further. So how else do you or have you in the past gone about investing in yourself as a writer? Uh, always hire an editor. And then after you make the changes, always have a proofreader. <laughs> you know, th those two things will save you time and again. And it doesn't make any difference. I mean, you know, you can think that you have everything uh, cleared up in your book. And as soon as you get it out there, you know, somebody will send you an email or make a comment about some errors, you know. So mm -hmm. the one great thing about the uh, era that we're living in now is that you can fix a file and upload it, you know, in 2.5 seconds, you know, right. like, <laughs> just, you know, pay attention. Yeah, for sure. And I think it it really can shortcut your way to success if you are willing to invest in yourself early on so that you don't have to be constantly, you know, taking 10 years to learn how to edit yourself or, or whatever the case may be. Um, well, I, I got to tell you, uh, I read prolifically uh, two to six books a week in between wow. everything else. And, oh, I get so frustrated, uh, especially when I am reading someone and on their cover, it tells me that they are either a an Amazon or a USA or a New York Times or you know whatever best-selling writer, mm -hmm. and their book is crap because mm -hmm. this finger goes to spell check, you know, and they didn't even spell check their book, and they have their character name uh, spelled differently throughout the book, and they've you know left things out, incomplete sentences. Uh, I mean, the whole gamut, you know, and. Right. It's so frustrating. And I always write a review. And I am the type that I don't just vomit out what's on the back of the book. I write a review about what I have read. And, you know, I've had a couple of people uh, come back at me, you know, like, why did you say that? Why didn't you contact me? You know, it's like, look, your book is out there. I'm a re reader and a reviewer. Mm-hmm. You know, you should have thought about that and cleared up your book. You know, you've got, uh, you know, five star reviews. You've got four, three, two and ones. You know, if you're not reading your reviews, I can't help you. Right. Right. <laughs> it's pretty. And, yeah. And like we said, if they if people would just, you know, invest in a little extra time. Yeah, it's a little extra money and, and time on the front end. Then you wouldn't 
have that problem because your book would be well edited. Right. So yeah, yeah. Great. Well, um, so let's switch gears a little bit. I noticed that you said you write family trees for your books because you have kind of big ensemble cast of characters. I'm very interested in that because I actually write kind of big ensemble cast of characters and I have various ways to keep them uh, you know, all straight and everything. So tell us about what your method is. Well, it all started with uh, my Alcott Family Adventures, which is always uh, otherwise known as the chocolate series. <laughs> and uh nice <laughs> yeah it's uh at first i just had it in you know a word document and then i uh changed it over to a spreadsheet and that didn't work and i finally hired a guy that uh put it in visio and made it just absolutely beautiful but i mean uh to me this is uh really important when you're writing with a large cast of characters uh so i have uh three sisters and all these other characters that uh, are related to them. And uh, so they all have different uh, Bentleys that they drive. So, okay, so who's the one with the uh, the nougat color Bentley? You know, like, okay, so who had the chocolate Bentley? You know, and, and it's like, you've got to keep things straightened out. Not only that, I mean, uh, if you have nicknamed someone or, you know, if uh, somebody is, uh, you know, like, for example, I have uh, uh, police and detectives and things like that. So I have them all listed on the bottom. I mean, I, I have everything. I mean, I do not want to go into book three or book four and, you know, try to think, okay, no, who did I say that was? What, you know, where was that? Which book do I search? I'm not going to go back to book one or two or three and and do this, you know, stupid search through the book, trying to find a character when it's, it's all here, you know? Right, right. And then uh, one of the other ones that uh, I, this is my, my very largest uh, family tree. It's uh, for my fall series, which is a young adult, young adult uh, science fiction fantasy series. And so I have a, uh, a glossary of terminology, which is specific for that world, uh, like days of the week, uh, moon phases, uh, what their calendars are, are called, uh, things like that. And then uh, uh, we've got different technology, we've got different places. So I have all these different kingdoms and uh, uh, creatures, creature people, uh, and then the regular humans and stuff like that. So again, this is like, I'm not going to go searching because right now I'm I'm into book five. I'm not going to go back to, you know, like, a, okay, where, where did I call that, you know? And, right. and all that. So these things are really important. Uh, every single one of my books has one of these. Uh, my uh, dystopian series that's set in uh, 2086, uh, I have a historical timeline and uh, again, that is, you know, something that's like, okay, now, uh, what year was that in, you know? Right, so yeah. It's a wonderful way to keep track of everything. And uh, people love seeing this stuff because they're in the books, you know? Right. They can, you know, if they come across something, especially in an ebook, it's just so darn easy, you know, mm -hmm. uh, go back to where the... Uh, 
you know, where the family tree is, it's either in the front or it's in the back. You know, I've, I've explored those two different things. I don't think it makes any difference where it is, but. Uh, so you put it in as part of your manuscript so that the oh, yeah. readers can see it. Okay. Yeah, that's they cool. they love that. Yeah. And like in my bonded series, that's the uh, the shapeshifter thing. You know, I've got uh, the people and their animal part, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, all these different things and all these different connections, you know. So it, it's really handy. I, I advise everybody that's uh, doing any kind of writing to make their family tree, however, you know, they want to do that, you know, just to make it as attractive as possible and get it in your book, you know, because- it adds character to your writing. Yeah. Now you said that you do it in Visio. That's how you create it. Uh, that was just the the very first one. I, I had a guy that did that, but I mean, uh, like in in Bonded, I just have it, uh, you know, in a a, a chart. Okay. Uh, with the different book titles, and then uh, same thing with. I mean, it just doesn't make any difference. I mean, in my uh, Cats is Cat series uh, i've got uh well my my main character is a newspaper guy so i've got the newspaper staff i've got uh different streets to where they go you know uh the police department the wealthy families i mean uh and this is a uh i made it up uh twinkle texas <laughs> which is uh, 350 miles from the, or, you know, 350 miles away from the closest shopping mall <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Uh, yeah. So I have fun with, with, you know, doing all these things. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like fun. And um, so you think that any author should do that no matter what they're writing, or is there like a, a level of number of characters or anything that you would think would qualify? You know, uh, I don't think it makes any difference what they're writing. Uh, just think of it as a way to keep track of things. Mm -hmm. You know, have you ever written something and uh, you had a cat in the beginning or a dog in the beginning? And then, you know, you had it two or three times in there and then they went away and you you forgot what, they, what the name of the cat or dog was. I mean, right. yeah. you know, your character sheet can have all kinds of stuff. It, it's it's really great for uh, you know uh, nicknames and just uh, I mean just everything you could possibly think of if you're calling some you know especially if you're in a uh, if you're a sci-fi writer and you have an alternate universe that you've created uh, you know like I said with my Thal series I have uh, like what is one day called it's a full turn a notch is one week. A Keldus one month. I mean, things like that. And then I've got different technology uh, and different, uh, you know, like uh, different foods and, and things like that. I mean, you know, so you basically you can just uh, write the name and then give an explanation. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I think it just uh, it adds a lot to your writing ability. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, for sure. So you keep um, not just character information, but also like world building and things like that in yes. there. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And do you put all of that into your manuscript or do you only put the character stuff? 
Oh no, it's all in there. It's all you know, whatever on the <clears throat> in the pages. Like for Paul, it's uh, six pages. You know, that's all in there because I want everybody to see. You know, or have the ability to go back and find you know something to get the explanation that they that they've lost somewhere in the you know in the writing. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's really good advice. And I always I always tell my students if you can actually state something, you know, very firmly, write it down, have it front of mind, rather than just kind of have it floating around in your head somewhere. It always just comes across stronger on the page because you're being very intentional about it. Yes. Yeah. Great. Great. Um, so any other just random advice you can think of to dispense about the family trees? Just write everything down. Yeah. You know, you'll have it in one place and then, you know, it'll make your life easier when you're, you know, sitting there in a conundrum, you know, like, what in the world did I say? What did I do? What did I call it? You know? <laughs> right. Well, it'll definitely save you time. Um, so, so just to be clear, you, do you write these all down before you start writing or do you work on it progressively as you're writing or? Yeah. Progressively, you know, okay. cause as I'm, you know, writing away, uh, and I, I name something or someone or whatever, mm -hmm. like the bell goes off. Oh yeah. I better, you know, stick that in there. So I do the cut and the paste, you know, and yeah, yeah, that's the way to cut up, come up with that. But I mean, also, uh, I've been known to just write front to back, finish the book and then go through mm. and that's the painful way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's very painful because then you're going to overlook things. Right, uh, right. Because you've already written the book and everything is familiar to you, so you're going to overlook something that should have been on that list. Mhm. Mm mm -hmm. So is there anything that you write before you start or that you I guess I should say that you plan before you start writing? Like tell us about your process a little bit. There have been books that I have uh outlined before starting to write. But then there have been books that I have just, you know, sat down and just banged them out. Right. You know, but uh, sometimes uh, I will get an idea for a book and I will sit down and, and just, you know, frantically type all those thoughts out and it becomes a little bit of a uh, an outline, I suppose. And then I'll, I'll build on that as I'm going. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know about you or anybody else, but I mean, I have discovered that my outline changes as I'm going because, mm -hmm. you know, you think that you're going to do something a certain way and your characters or the plot or whatever takes you down a different road than you thought you were right. going to go. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I am a big outliner and I teach it and I have always said, you know, don't be freaked out by the outline. It's not set in stone. It definitely can change, but I'm almost moving more toward it actually probably should change at some point because, you know, you need to be paying attention to those, you know, more spontaneous ideas that, that get incorporated. And it would actually be kind of strange if you wrote an outline that didn't change the entire time you were writing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I always tell people, Keep a pad and pencil or a pen on your nightstand. Mm -hmm. so, I don't know about you, but I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I will wake up and just thought of a solution to something or have a 
totally different idea about something that I already wrote that needs to be changed. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. and you know, as well as I do that, you know, if you don't take immediate action, it's right. gone. It is right. just gone, you know, and yep. you, you cannot rely on it coming back at two in the morning because it's not going to happen. <laughs> I was going to say, especially yeah, right when you wake up, when you're kind of between awake and asleep, that all just goes out the window as soon as you fully wake up. So you got to, yeah, I agree. Yeah, you got to write it down. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks so much for being here to talk to us about this. It's been really enlightening. Um, any last minute advice you want to give to up and coming authors before we wrap up? No, not really. I mean, uh, it's just that uh, writing is very personal. And uh, if anybody in your universe is questioning what you're doing uh, and they're, you know, like uh, looking down at you or something, you know, uh, mm -hmm. they're really not your friend. <laughs> you know, I, and I yeah. tell people, you know, sometimes you have to divorce uh, your family, your friends, coworkers, whatever you know, if they're not going to support you, because this is a, a very tough career. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's very important to surround yourself with people who believe in you and, uh, you know, give you all the encouragement that you you really need. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And, and so did you, especially early on, get a lot of discouragement from people around you? I remember a conversation I had with a guy that I used to see at different networking events. And, uh, you know, he, he said to me, what do you, why do you keep writing? You're not making any money. You're not doing this, you know, for a full-time living. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what else would I be doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? It's in my blood. Yeah. That's all I can yeah. tell you. Yeah, like so many professions, it's, you know, if somebody's in it for the money, they're not going to last very long. You know, people who do this feel called to do it. So, you yeah. know, but you're you're good living proof that somebody can do it long term and be very prolific and, and have a, a really long and, and satisfying writing career. Yeah. And you just, you know, you have to just love what you do. And mm -hmm. when you love what you do, it doesn't make any difference what anybody else is saying about you. Right, right. I, I, I really love that you said that, that, that if they're not going to encourage you, they're really not very much of a friend. I think that's something people try to shy away from a little bit just for the sake of being, you know, having harmony. But I think that's really true. Um, you know, you can still be friendly with them, but if they're not going to encourage you, then you need to surround yourself with people who will, you know. You you have to change them from friend to acquaintance. Yes. You know, because that to me is a survival technique. You know, you do not need anybody browbeating you. Right. You know, and if they swear that you that they're your friend, then they need to uh, start acting like your friend. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for that. I think that's very wise advice. <laughs> and thank you for being here. Tell everyone where they can find you and connect with you and your books. All righty. Well, my full name, Dawn Greenfield, Ireland.com. And it's, uh, that's my full name. It's not Don Greenfield from Ireland. I've never been to Ireland. Because <laughs> <laughs> I get asked that a lot. Uh, and uh, just happy to have people come by. You know, I will answer any questions that anybody has. So nothing is off, off limits. <laughs> great, great. Well, thank you so much. And uh, good luck with everything you do. Thanks. You take care. Bye. Bye. 
before you go, if you found value in this episode, can you do me a solid and share it with other authors you think might benefit from it? Remember, the rising tide lifts all boats. Also, if you haven't yet, would you be willing to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts? It's the only way for me to know that you're enjoying the podcast, and it helps Apple recommend it to other authors like you who might benefit from it. Finally, if you haven't already, hop over and join the prolific author community on Facebook. Inside, authors network, ask questions, and I often do teaching via Facebook Lives. Thank you so much for listening today. Happy story crafting this week. And remember, there is always a market for awesome.